Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. I have a question for you today. What do you think heaven is like? Do you ever think about that? How do you think heaven works? What goes on there? What do we do when we get to heaven? Perhaps most importantly, how does heaven affect us here on earth? Today, Pastor Nicole is beginning a new series called The Hope of Heaven, and we're going to deep dive into just what heaven is, what it isn't, and how our lives can change for the better because of it. Let's get started today. Here's Pastor Nicole. Today, we are starting a five-week series on heaven, okay? So I want to ask you a question. I want you to answer it honestly to yourself. Um, How often do you think about heaven? How often does it cross your mind? And then when you think about it, uh, what comes to mind? So just take a minute and think about what it is. Is it clouds? Is it pearly gates? Maybe a big golden wall? Maybe angels with giant wings? This is maybe what you're picturing heaven to be like. For most of us, the word heaven conjures up kind of a cartoonish image of like a city floating on a puffy cloud. Anybody admit that that's kind of what you think, like when you're thinking about heaven or, or when uh, things depict heaven? But heaven is so much more than that. And over these next few weeks, we're going to talk about how heaven came to be, what happens when we die or what happens when people uh, that we love die, the new city that God is building according to the book of Revelation, the city that God has promised, and some questions about heaven that you may have always wondered. Uh, for example, are we still married in heaven? Because that's an eternity. <laughs> do we work in heaven or is it kind of boring? Like, do we just kind of float around or is it one big church service? Him after him after him. Uh, do we eat chocolate cake in heaven? Because this is a very serious issue in my mind, okay? <laughs> That has no calories at all. Uh, We're going to talk about some of those things. The scripture does give us a look into some of these things. So I don't want you to miss any of the weeks ahead of us. Make sure you get here every Sunday or tune in online if that's uh, how you can watch. And I do want to tell you, we purchased some small books um, actually called Heaven. These are in the pew rack right in front of you. And inside these books is an invitation card. So what I would love for you to do is take one of these. If it's not directly in front of you, you can kind of shimmy around and get one. But take one of these and think of someone in your life who also needs to hear about heaven. Maybe somebody that doesn't think about heaven or doesn't believe in heaven or doesn't understand heaven. And will you give this to them as a gift and then ask them to come with you in these coming weeks. We're going to do this series all the way through the end of November uh, for about five weeks. We're going to talk about heaven. So I want to encourage you to do that and um, get maybe read it first and then give it to them. See, that's called a re-gift. All right. Just don't spill your coffee on it uh, and they won't even know. Uh, But this is a tool. It's a resource I want you to look at and have um, as we're going through this series. Now, Um, I think one of the reasons, as I was thinking through this, of why we don't talk about heaven uh, very much is because um, we don't like to think about dying, right? We don't like to think or talk about death. We want to talk about life. We want to talk about what's happening to us here. Uh, But unless Christ returns soon, uh, we're all going to die. And, (laughs) And... The mortality rate of humanity is 100%. I mean, 10 out of 10 people die. 
And this is what happens. There's no avoiding it. In fact, worldwide, uh, three people die every second and 11,000 people an hour. And so this means more than 250,000 people every day either go to heaven or to hell. Now, I tell you this uh, not to be morbid or to stir up any kind of fear. In fact, talking about death is not gloom and doom for believers in Jesus. Uh, Talking about death actually is not something that we need to dread or be fearful of. Jesus came to deliver us from the fear of death. I want to read to you Hebrews 2, 14 through 15 from the New Living Translation. It says it this way. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. And only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. So he broke that fear over us. I love Apostle Paul. He knew this truth. And after Jesus died on the cross in 1 Corinthians 15, he declares it this way, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting now? Because Jesus took care of all of that for us. Now, what delivers us from the fear of death is a relationship with the person who defeated it. What delivers us from the fear of death, the only thing, is a relationship with the only person who has defeated it. Does that get anyone excited this morning? Because that gets me really excited. What delivers us from the fear of death is knowing the person who died on our behalf and has gone ahead of us to make a place with us that we can live with him forever. So I wanted to tackle this series because I think, and me included at times of my life, that many people are afraid of death. They're afraid, they're overwhelmed of the thought of it. And on top of that, I know a lot of Christians right now who are burdened. I know a lot of Christians who are discouraged. I know a lot of Christians who are struggling because this world is really, really tough right now. And some people are hurt and cynical and they've lost hope. And and, and when you look at the world around us, I can understand why. But a biblical look at the hope of heaven can change things. A biblical look at the hope of heaven can change our perspective. It can change how we live in the present, knowing what's ahead of us. If we know with clarity and expectation, we can adjust our attitude on our today because we know what's ahead of us for tomorrow. In 1952, I want to show you this picture of a woman named Florence Chadwick, and she was determined to swim from Catalina Island to the mainland of California. She was actually the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways. And so this was her newest challenge. She was going to swim from this particular island to California. And on that day, the weather was chilly. Okay, the weather was foggy. And she swam for 15 hours straight. 15 hours straight she swam. And uh, as she was swimming, she had a boat following her in case she got into trouble. Her mom was on the boat, the the story goes. And so she's swimming for 15 hours straight, and she's tired, and it's chilly, and she shouts to her mother, tell the captain, uh, just let me aboard. I can't do this anymore. And her mother uh, gently encourages her, "Uh, no, you can do it. We're almost there. We're almost there. And and Florence Chadwick says, no, I I just can't do it. And so they finally, physically and emotionally, she's so tired, and they pull her into the water, onto the boat. 
And she was less than a half a mile from the shore. She was so close. She was less than a half a mile from the shore. And at a news conference the next day, this is what she said to the interviewer. All I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. If I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. And and I read that story, and you know what I thought of? Is if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the shore is heaven. Okay, the shore is heaven. And Jesus promised that we would be with him forever in the place that he prepared for us. And if we can keep our eternal home in mind, that we are only a half a mile of all of eternity from the shore, then we can face almost anything. Almost anything on earth can be bearable if we can know that on the the hard days and the easy days and the days that death has interrupted our plans and the days that life feels long and hard and difficult, that the hope of heaven, the hope of someday reaching the shore can keep us swimming. Gary, will you amen that? All right. (laughs) Because the hope of heaven can energize us. The hope of heaven can comfort us as we go. So that's why I want to talk about heaven. So let's begin by understanding how heaven and earth interact with each other, all right? How heaven and earth interact with each other. I want to draw you a visual this morning. It's a very complicated visual, okay? (laughs) This is heaven and this is earth. When we use the words heaven and earth, we're talking about two different domains, okay? Heaven is God's domain, ruled by God. Only the will of God happens in heaven, okay? Nothing can happen outside the will of God in heaven. God is the one who defines what is good. God is the one who defines what is evil. And it is where God's will is always done. Now, the biblical authors call this domain by different names, including God's kingdom, paradise, eternal life, and, of course, heaven. Okay, so as you're reading the scripture and you see those different words... That is what God is describing. Here's one example I want to read to you from John 5, 24. Jesus is speaking. He says, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. Okay, he's talking about heaven when he says he refers to eternal life. Those who listen to his message, who believe in God, have eternal life. They have heaven, okay? Now, earth is where we live, (laughs) right here. Earth is our domain. It's where humans have chosen to be the ones who define good and evil. And for the record, we're not doing a very good job, (laughs) right? But earth is the place where we dwell. And biblical authors give this domain a few different names too. They call it the world. They call it the present age or the age of sin and death. Uh, And notice these two, these names that the author, the biblical authors call the earth imply that this age is temporary, right? They say a present age. That means that that's not always the age or an age of sin and death. That means that that it's it's a temporary thing. I want to show you in Galatians 1, just one example in verses 3 through 4. It says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. And so that scripture says that God, Jesus has come to rescue us from this age, to rescue us from the earth. And so the story of the Bible is the story of these two domains. It, it all begins uh, when, when heaven is actually on earth. They're completely together. 
okay? The, the garden, the, the earth is made, Garden of Eden happens, and they're completely together, and the two realms are entirely overlapped, existing together in perfect unity, which I think is fascinating because that means it is possible, right? Because that's how it started. But then things take a terrible turn, and heaven is ripped from earth, and there is a great split. And the message of Christianity and the entire point of the Bible is to show us that God's glorious mission is to reunite these two realms once again. This is the whole point of the scripture. From Genesis 3 onward, the basic tension driving the story of the Bible is how God is going to rejoin heaven and earth. That this is what he's going to do. And the end of the Bible ultimately gives us a vision and revelation with a promise that the divine and the human will one day be united once and for all. That's some good news right there, friends. That's some good news. And the revelation says this is going to happen. Not maybe, not if. The will of God and God's in charge is this is what's going to happen. But for now, in Genesis 3, we watch as heaven and earth are split apart. Now, you probably remember this story, but let me recap it for you. In Genesis 1, God creates the world. He calls it good seven times, and the author makes it clear that God is the provider and the definer of all that is good. And if you remember the story, the cause of the split centers around a tree. Do you remember what the tree is called? Whisper to the person next to you if you remember what this tree is called in the scripture. It's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, now this tree, historically, we think of it as an apple tree, but the Bible never actually says what kind of tree it is. Sorry to let you down. But we do know that there's a tree. And on this tree, it says Adam and Eve are said, listen, don't eat of this tree or you will die. Now that is a pretty big consequence. Up to this point, God was the one who was defining good and evil. God was the one who, who said, I know what's good and evil, the knowledge of the tree, the knowledge of the good and evil. God says, I know what's good and evil. And so if you just trust me, just don't go against, don't improperly take on your role, don't improperly take on the authority that's all mine, you will be good. You will live forever. There will be no death. And humans, they had a lot of freedom. They had a lot of authority to rule over God's creation. But they were not God. They were like God because they were made in his image. But they didn't get to be God. They didn't get to be God. Which meant they didn't get to define good and evil. They needed to trust God's wisdom. Now, you know the story. Remember who shows up next? I'm an excellent artist, so just this little thing. This guy, a serpent, a snake, a mysterious figure, and his purpose is to deceive. And the serpent suggests that seizing this knowledge will make them like God. He says, look, God doesn't want you to eat of this tree because it's going to make you like God, and that's what you want to do. And we remember what happens is that they do, they, they eat of the tree. And the basic meaning of this tree is that it represents a choice. Would the humans trust God's knowledge? Would they trust his definition of good and evil? Or would they seize the opportunity to know and therefore define good and evil for themselves? And by deciding to define it for themselves, Adam and Eve essentially declare themselves rulers. And it was this decision, 
made around this tree that split heaven and earth. It was this decision that split heaven and earth apart. And we see in Genesis 3 that living inside the garden, living under the rule and the authority of God is abundant life and abundant food and freedom and the opportunity to partner with God and expanding creation. But outside of the garden, curse, toil, frustration, um, ultimately death. That's what happened outside of the garden. So you might ask this question, where are we now? Okay, this was Genesis. So where are we now in the process? If, if God is restoring and ultimately heaven and earth are going to be together again, where are we in the process? Well, according to the biblical narrative, we live in a time when heaven and earth are still disconnected. We clearly know that just by looking around, right? But not completely. In fact, it looks a little bit more like this. It looks a little bit more like this. The Bible shows us over and over that these two domains overlap, that there are pockets of heaven on earth right now, and they're growing. There are pockets of heaven on earth, and they're growing. I want to show you one example in the scripture of heaven and earth overlapping. Okay, are you ready for it? We find it in Genesis 28 about a man, and his name is Jacob. And it starts in verse 12. It says, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And there above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of our father Abraham, the God of Isaac. And I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you, and I will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. Now, we know from the Hebrew language that was written originally that this was not like a ladder with rungs that Jacob saw. It was like a large stone staircase. It was very similar to massive steps that you would see going up like an ancient temple. But in Jacob's dream, the staircase wasn't attached to a temple. It, it was attached to or to a building. It was just stairs that was like resting on the skies. And he says that, the, the, that there are angels coming up and, up and down it. And the meaning of this was really clear to Jacob, that this thing was a bridge between God's domain and humanity's domain. That this thing was a pathway into God's heavenly throne room and that the angels were God's messengers and they were going up and down the stairway showing that this place was, a, was kind of like a porthole between heaven and earth. And in Genesis 28, verses 16 through 17, it continues, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not even aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. That's what he understands to what happened in his dream. Now, if you remember, Jacob, he uh, hadn't 
exactly led a perfect life of devotion to God. He was known as a deceiver. Earlier in his life, he had tricked his blind father into giving him the family inheritance uh, that should have been for his older brother. But in this moment, where heaven meets earth, I believe that it shows us that God is a God who chases people. That God is a God who would move all of heaven to come to earth to get after Jacob's heart, that our God comes to us, that our God pursues us with his love. And that the key takeaway from Jacob's dream is that somehow, we, don't, we won't understand it fully because we're humans, but that God's domain and the human domain still overlap sometimes in particular places, in specific moments, not all the time, everywhere yet, although that's coming. But right now, there is in fact times when heaven meets earth, when heaven chases people and touches down in the most unlikely places and heaven comes down. I love how Jacob thought the spot where he was sleeping was just an ordinary spot. But in his vision, it helped him see there is so much more going on. There's so much more going on than we can see with our natural eyes. And this biblical moment is about how the presence of God, which we thought was left back in the garden after we sinned, that that presence of God comes bursting into the world. That God's grace and God's favor is so good to us that he says, look, I'm going to give you a little bit of heaven on earth. I know that's a song. I'm not going to sing it to you this morning. But Jacob's encounter with God shows us that God is on a mission to reunite heaven and earth, and that God was still among humans if they had eyes to see it. And I believe that is still true today. That heaven is at work much more than we probably realize. We have to have eyes that see it, and we need to ask God, where is heaven touching earth? We need to pray, God, would you send heaven to touch earth on this ground at this altar at 8150 Oliver Road in this city right in this nation in the middle of my brokenness in the center of my crisis God will you send heaven to earth because I don't like what I see around here but your goodness and your holiness can redeem it you know I love Jesus was a prophet and his favorite topic was heaven on earth uniting in fact, he used this phrase. I want you, when you read your scripture this week, look for it all over the New Testament. He calls it the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. He talks all about it. He says, uh, for instance, consider the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's calling heaven down to unite with earth. Jesus teaches his disciples to ask God to bring his kingdom to earth before they ask for anything else. Jesus teaches us to pray every day that God's kingdom would advance farther into the earth, that God's domain would reclaim more and more of humanity's domain, that heaven invading earth was one of Jesus' top priorities. It's one of the things he talked and prayed about all the time, and that's what he taught his disciples to do too. And by sending Jesus, God began this full-throttle invasion of earth's domain. I mean, Jesus was literally heaven sent to earth. 
And he says, look, all right, we're, we're up in the ante now. I know we did Jacob's ladder and a couple other things here in the Old Testament. But look, now I'm sending Jesus. Like, this is the creator of heaven and earth is now coming to earth. And it's as if Jesus, in my mind, it was like he's the general sent to be on site, and he's recruiting an army. And he's saying, look, if you sign up for my army, if you, if you come work with me for kingdom purposes, this army is going to break down the gates of hell. That's actually our whole goal, is that we work together in tandem with God and the Holy Spirit to go into the places that are earth, that are hell, and bring heaven there. That is what our entire mission is. And this army is going to break down the gates of hell. Victory is unavoidable. You know, when you sign up to be in God's army, you, it's, it's a win. I mean, we already know the, the end. You are on the winning team. And heaven and earth will someday unite. We know that. And we get to be part of the fight to get there. And so the question today, I think, is are you going to be part of the army that brings heaven to earth? Are you going to be part of God's plans to bring heaven to earth? Because that's the side I want to be on. I don't know about you, but I want to be on the winning team if I already know what team is going to win. And you might be thinking this morning, you know, that sounds great. That's good, but I'm not qualified. I have baggage. I, I don't know the scripture well enough. I don't have a lot of resources. I can give you 999 other excuses. But I have really good news Jesus also taught this, that the most powerful members of his kingdom were the outcasts and the rejects. The most powerful members of his kingdom were the ones that would live their lives in a way that the world would never understand. God's kingdom is where all of our normal ways of thinking and, and, and feeling are turned upside down or quite possibly right side up. Right, God is fixing all of these things that we think we understand. So do you have eyes to see when heaven is invading earth? Here's what I want to end today. I want to take a few minutes, and I just want us to quiet our hearts. I'm going to play a song, and I want us to just take a few moments and say to the Lord, help me see where heaven is touching earth. Help me see where heaven is touching earth. Help me have supernatural eyes to notice where you are working. Help me be part of the army that is bringing God's kingdom to earth. Maybe you need to have a conversation with the Lord this morning and say, God, sign me up. I know I've said it a lot of times, but sign me up again. Put me in, coach. Let me be part of heaven that is invading earth. And so let's play that video now. Just pray and reflect this morning for a few moments, and then I'll come and pray us out here in just a few minutes.
you listen to the very part of the song and then I'll pray. see the shore of the hope of heaven and not give up. I pray for those in this room that maybe are battling a just very real sense of discouragement. I pray that the hope of heaven, that the shore of heaven would encourage them this week, that the best is yet to come. I pray that you will help us see where you are allowing heaven touch earth. I pray that through this week, we would have supernatural eyes where we can see where you are working, where you are moving, where you are overlapping your kingdom. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us be part of bringing the kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. God, help us be part of the army of God that is just pulling heaven down uh, on earth. Lord, we love you and we just give you praise. We thank you for today. And it's in your strong name I pray, amen. Hey, have a great week. Take a heaven book with you. Invite someone. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Area First Podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. You can find all our series videos and podcasts at eeriefirst.org, along with all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.